in a postseason. So a lot of people put a lot of stock into the regular season. You see the Spurs, they're a very good regular season team. But when it gets to the playoffs, they're, they're not as strong. So we'll we'll see. We'll talk about that when Jonathan gets on his thoughts about the NBA. But he thinks we're starting at 6 o'clock, too. Um, I'm going to send him a message and uh, let him know we're on air now. So we'll have a co-host here with us. So you don't have to just hear me talk. But, yeah, it's um, already close, you know, the end of February, getting close to that. A lot of spring training games or spring games for college football will be coming up. Baseball is going to be around the corner starting. And it's just that time of year where, where it's warm. And, you know, we didn't have winter in Atlanta this year. I'm, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and, man, you know, they talk about winter. We don't have that. We have about two weeks of cold weather, and then it's springtime again. So that's where we are right now. It's about 70 degrees today in February. It should never be that warm. And it's usually not that warm, but we're not going to have a winter. We're just going to have a summer. So, no, really we have two weeks of spring, and then you'll have summer for the next nine months. So it is hot in Atlanta, Georgia. That's why they call it Hot Atlanta. It is very, very hot. Tonight we're going to talk. We'll look at what's going on in college football, NFL, the draft coming up, the combine. There's just a lot going on. College basketball. It's getting that time of year again where, you know, we're getting our, we get our five-year anniversary now for winning sports talk. And we started out, you know, talking March Madness and the fun we had during March Madness. People think all you can ever talk about is football. Now, I love football more than anyone, but that's not it. There's, when you get to March Madness and basketball, when you get to this time of year in college basketball, you have to be a fan. I mean, it's just intense. I'm officiating a coach to play sport. It's just this time of year um, is looking good. We've got some problems in the SEC conference. You know, Florida looks looked good for a little while, but then their best big man went out. They're out. They're not going to do anything in the tournament, really. Kentucky, I just I don't feel it with them. I really want to see them turn it on and start playing both sides of the court. It's, it's it's either they play great offense and no defense or they play defense and they can't score. They have to learn to play better down the stretch if they're gonna if they're gonna be a final four team. But Kansas with a huge win on the road at Baylor yesterday locked up the Big Twelve. It's just it's amazing to see Kansas this year. And you, when I looked at Kansas and Baylor yesterday, one thing I noticed was, you know, the maturity from both sides. They have juniors and seniors on those teams. And that that's so important when you get into tournament time because these freshmen are great. They, they can do good in the regular season, but there's a different kind of pressure that comes when you're playing in March Madness, when you're playing in these elimination games. So we'll see. I mean, you know, I was looking at the Auburn Tigers – thinking they had a chance to, to sneak in there if they had a good run. And ever since we talked, they've lost three straight. They they lost to – I can't remember. They they lost to Ole Miss on the road. They blew a 20-point lead, 23-point lead, actually, in the second half. Blew that and lost. Turned around at home and lost to Florida by 19 or 18 points. And then they turned around yesterday and lose big on the road to A&M. So, unless Auburn runs the table – 
or wins the SEC tournament, they're out. They may be lucky to get an NIT, which I think, you know, in the next year or so, Auburn should have a good basketball team on their hands. But let's put them to bed right now unless they win the SEC tournament. And as weak as the SEC is right now, I don't think that's impossible. Anybody can get hot on any day. Um, it's just basketball is very hard to predict. And when you look at how many teams there are, and you have all these home and away games, and it's just hard to get a grasp on a team. But I'll tell you this right now. Kansas right now to me is the best team in basketball. Duke's playing better. Yes, they're they're starting to play a little better. But Kansas, just something about that swagger they have to be able to go on the road. Remember, they went to Baylor and won that game. Baylor was number four in the country. They went to Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky there, which Calipari's only lost a couple of times. And they played a tough schedule. So, Kansas will be the number one overall seed in the tournament. I'm looking at something that shows Alabama is one of the first four out. I don't even know how they could be even mentioned in the tournament right now. Getting swept by Auburn. They they can't beat anybody except the Missouris and LSUs of the world in in basketball. They they suck, and and people have them on the first four out, meaning that they're the first team listed on the first four out, meaning they could be the last four in. It would make me sick if Alabama got into this tournament. I mean, it really would because – Auburn just took them to school two times in a row. They played them, and they're not that good. They can't score. They're good on defense, but they can't score points. So, there'd be an early round exit if they did get in. Florida's the projected three seed right now with Kentucky. Um, let's go through the ones. You've got Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, and Villanova. Villanova, um, I'm still not sold on them all the way just yet. North Carolina, two-seed, Oregon, a two-seed, Louisville, Arizona. That's a great, great crop of two-seeds right there. Either one of those teams could win it all. So that's tough. Oregon, the only thing bad about Oregon is you get them away from home, they're not as dangerous. But I like probably Arizona or North Carolina of those twos. The threes are strong with Florida State, Kentucky, uh, Florida, and Duke. And when you start looking at three seeds, you start thinking about inconsistencies a little bit. Yes, these are teams that can make the final four. They can be a number one seed. And they probably at one time were number one seeds during the year. But if you look at Florida State, they can't win on the road. If you look at Kentucky, and they get beat by 20 by Florida, and it just blows your mind. You look at Duke, they've had their struggles. And so these three seeds are teams – they can make it. Let's drop down to the four seed projections right now with Cincinnati, UCLA, uh, Purdue, and Butler. Now, UCLA by far to me is the best four seed. They could get a little higher. I mean, if they get hot at the right time right now when they're tournament, they may be even a two seed. So looking at the field, I mean, you can talk about Cinderella all you want. You can talk about your 12 seeds. But at the end of the day, the cream of the crop is going to be in the Elite Eight. You're going to have eight blue bloods, probably a basketball, playing for it all. You may see an upset in the first round, as we always do. But at the end of the day, if East Tennessee State beats Duke, that's the end of their road, probably. If UNC Asheville beats Florida, guess what? They'll lose the next round, probably. So everybody says they love the Cinderella. 
But if you look at the ratings of these games, I don't think they do. And let's welcome the co-host of this show, Jonathan. Welcome. Sorry, I thought it was 6, but it was 5.30, so I was 15 minutes late. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm I'm doing great, buddy. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I put uh, an offered onesie on my son today, and he threw up on it as soon as it came up on me. So I, I told my wife, I was like, that's how I felt all season watching him play. So, so I thought, I thought you'd <laughs> Are you sure that he wasn't saying he was a Florida State fan? I don't know. I may have to try it and see. I may try to put a Florida State onesie on him and see what happens. But I don't know. He just told me today he didn't want to be an Auburn fan, and I can't force him to be. You know, it's either you are or you're not. But no, I'll just I'll just talk about this tournament. Looking at the first two seeds, you know, ones and twos. But when I I was talking about the threes, about Florida State, Kentucky, uh, Florida, and Duke. I think once you get past those top two. Once you start talking about the threes, those are teams that could have been one seed at one time during the year, but they've shown some inconsistency. Did you agree with that? Those three seeds right there I just mentioned, I think they're capable of making a big run, but uh, it's just it's just tough to tell right now. Well, I agree. I mean, Kentucky's had their moments in the sun this year, but they, when it comes to their bigger games, uh, they faltered this year. Uh, Florida State is five and five in their last ten games. Um, I mean they're undefeated at home, but you know they they're, they've they've really struggled on the road. You know you can't lose to Pittsburgh and Syracuse and and Georgia Tech. Like you you, you can't you can't bite them losses. But uh, you know Florida. All right, so here's my thing with Florida. I got into it with a couple uh, Florida fans yesterday because they decided to talk some smack. Um, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you lost to Georgia Tech. Okay, that's fine. Y'all lost to Vanderbilt at home. Like, Florida, who who have you beaten? You beat Kentucky at home one night, right? Then who else? Yep. Oh, you lost Auburn. to Zaga. <laughs> that ain't a quality win. Don't don't bring that up my don't bring that up my alley. That ain't a quality win. Like oh, the SEC in basketball is like the Pac-12 in football. It really is. You know, one bell cow, Kentucky. Right, whereas the Pac-12 last year was really um, Washington. You yes, have your team that people like. You have your team that people like, and that's Florida and USC, where everybody always expects good things from them, whether it happens or not, we don't know, right? And then the rest of the conference just kind of crap. It is. You know, you know the SEC, <laughs> and I've been listening to Feinbaum this, this past couple weeks because it's the only sports radio I have. Um, you know, the radio station just, yeah, I, I get nothing static now. So uh, I've listened to Paul, and he keeps talking up SEC basketball and, you know, how, oh, they're good. They're just eating each other alive. You know, that's a statement that people make when they know their conference really isn't that good, but they need uh, an out. They need to find a way to say, well, of course they're all going to be 17 and 9. Of course, they're all going to be 8 and 4. They're all good teams. They just beat each other up. Mm, not usually how this works, Bubba. Like, SEC basketball is not very good. They just need to accept that. You're, you've got great football. you got great baseball. You can kind of take a dive on basketball. It really is about Kentucky and Florida. I mean, the SEC hangs its hat on Kentucky and Florida in basketball. One of those two teams. 
If you see an SEC team in the Final Four, it's either Florida or Kentucky, and usually Kentucky. And this year, I just don't know. I look at them, I watch them, and I usually can put my finger on something, but, you know, it's consistency right now. But when I watch Kansas play, when I see a team like Baylor play, when I see teams like that, I know they're real good and they're one seed. They've got juniors and seniors all up and down that lineup, Jonathan, and that's why I feel good at putting Kansas as my number one team right now and the team I think that could probably just win it all because they just find ways to win no matter what, no matter where they are. They've won in Rupp. They've won in Baylor. Played a very tough schedule. That's who I'm betting on when it comes tournament time. The team that, that they have some kind of you know, age on it. They've got those juniors and seniors. They know they they may not be NBA players yet, but they're good, good college players. You know, and that's what I miss about basketball. I miss the true seniors or juniors that had to play and had to stick around. But with Kentucky, you get a bunch of freshmen. You may throw a junior and senior in there. Auburn, like we talked about, four freshmen. You know, you're going to have a headache watching them play all year because they're bipolar. But Kansas is that one team that when I watch, I know what to expect, really. Great coach, uh, great team, and right now they're my favorite to win it all as of February 19th. That can change in about two weeks, can John? Right. I mean, this is the kind of season where there have been multiple teams that's at one point or another where you're like, well, this team's pretty good. They can make a run, like, you know, Florida State at one point, everybody's sitting there going, holy cow, this Florida State team's really good. You know, they're a contender. Wow, look at North Carolina. Wow, look at Baylor. Look at Kansas. You know, there's a lot of, I think, good quality teams this year, which should lead to a fun uh, tournament after the round. Of, you know, like once you get past the opening round. I don't expect the, the first round uh, to be that much fun. But, like, round of 32 on, I think, is going to be a, a really good show. Um, you know, so I don't really have a front runner right now. Um, you know, if I got to hitch my wagon to somebody, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Gonzaga. I just I love the veteran leadership they got. They have good, high-quality players. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a uh, – I think Gonzaga's got a really good team, and this might this is probably the best team they've had under Mark Few, and that says something, because they've had some good teams before. Uh, but I really, I just appreciate the way they play, and the, the they, they're never rattled. You know, they're just, they've been there, done that. They're never rattled. I really like the Zags this year. And they're undefeated, right? Yeah, that never hurt. I mean, no, I mean, the... You, I don't care, and people talk about that. You know, they say, well, they haven't played anybody. Well, in basketball, if you win all your games, that's impressive. I don't care. There's a parity so so high that, that if you're undefeated this time of year, you have to be good. You have to have a bunch of seniors on your team, your juniors, seniors. Um, I may have to start watching them play. And honestly, Jonathan, with them, I haven't sat down and watched them play a lot. Uh, their schedule is not not overwhelming, you know. When you watch, when you look at their schedule, you're like, uh, uh, but you know what? They're they're putting up 90 on people and giving up 50, so you know it's, it's pretty impressive. I don't care who you play, but but they're right. 28 no right now. I think they're going to go undefeated, and uh, that St. Mary's team that's right behind them, 
They're real good too, Jonathan. I don't know if you've watched them. Mm-hmm. I've actually watched St. Mary's. I've watched them play both. Gonzaga beat them, I think, by a couple points. But St. Mary's is a team you have to watch out for. I agree. I think the Gales are an excellent basketball team. Uh, this is something that they've been building for a little bit. Uh, you know, I thought that was a, a high-quality team last year, and uh, I, I think it, it's good for Gonzaga to have somebody like St. Mary's, where you know you have a team that you're competing with um, that's very good as well. It's kind of like uh, the SEC. How you have Kentucky and Florida, and that's about it. You know, like okay. The rest of the w, uh, you know, the WCC, you know, they have BYU, who's a quality team, hot South Carolina. You know, they have Pepperdine who in San Francisco who are, you know, okay, high Tennessee, high Auburn. You know what I mean? Like, you can actually compare those two conferences basketball-wise, and at the end of the day, you'll sit there and go, well, damn. I mean, but the only thing they don't have that we have is, what, another average team? Uh you know, and I just think that um, that Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga beat Florida, and they beat Arizona. You got to remember, Gonzaga can't get these big school teams to go to their stadium because the bigger school team is a lose lose. A, Gonzaga's big enough to where they ain't really paying you to show up. B, if you lose to Gonzaga, you know a lot of teams see that as as a sign of um, a bad sign. Like, how did you lose to Gonzaga? That's a bad loss. And every year, Gonzaga's a top twenty-five team. Like, come on. Like, not everybody can win a title every year. How many teams have won a national title in the past 10 years? Like, really? Like, are we really going to hoard against Gonzaga because they haven't won one? Like, come on. Yeah, and one thing I would like to see in the tournament is let's get, like, I think you just mentioned this. Like, I looked at it, and they said Alabama was first one of the first four out, so they would be the first four in the next one. I'm sitting there thinking, why even waste a tournament? with this piece of crap team. I watched them play. I would rather see other teams get in from smaller conferences instead of putting the fifth or sixth team in the SEC in there. Nobody wants to see that garbage. Now, if it's the ACC, that's a different story. That's a that's a true basketball powerhouse conference right there. So it's different when you're talking about letting Syracuse in compared to Alabama, Jonathan. That's that's where the tournament gets in trouble sometimes. They water it down a little bit. You'll put a Vanderbilt in as a 12 seed or Alabama in as a 12 seed, and they suck. Why not give somebody else an opportunity to come in? And I hope the committee does that this year because Alabama does not deserve to be in a tournament. They lost twice to Auburn, okay? That's enough said, right? That's all I have to tell you, and you realize that's not a tournament team. Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple teams where – you know, like Tennessee fans are, you know, we're on the bubble. It's like, why? Because you beat Kentucky? Like, do we not look at the rest of your schedule? You beat Kentucky one night, and all of a sudden it's a bubble team? Come on, man. Like, honestly, like, real talk, I'd rather see Akron in the tournament than I would in Tennessee. You know, yeah. I mean, it's one of those situations where you, know, you look at the smaller schools where a team won, like, the regular season conference and they rolled it and maybe they got upset in the conference tournament, right? I'd rather see that team in the in March Madness in the NIT because that team showed me for most of the year, except for one game, that they were the best team in their conference, okay? So let me get those seeds, and the smaller schools are fun. Like, you know, you, you got the uh, the leading scorer 
uh, in college hoops right now, Marcus Keene out of Central Michigan. His team's probably not going to make the tournament. But in all honesty, I'd rather see Central Michigan play a game than anybody from the SEC outside of Kentucky. Well, I mean, because I just want to see Marcus Keene play. The tournament's for me to enjoy at the end of the day. Okay, so when it comes down to, well, you know, we got to take who we put in that 10 seed seriously. No, you don't. Ten seed ain't gonna win the title. No, you don't. Put in somebody on one seed. Come on. Yeah, unless you're in the top eight, you're probably not gonna forget one. But let's let's look at this SEC for a minute. Look, you know, and I was uh, last week when we talked. I think it was before Auburn played, or the last time we talked, Auburn lost to they blew a 23 point lead at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Blew that lead in the second half. They lost to Florida. By 18 at home, and then they lose A&M. They're they're not that good. I thought they would be better, but but you've got Mississippi State at five and nine, Auburn five and nine in the conference, A&M six and eight, Georgia six and eight, Vandy seven and seven, 14 and 13, Tennessee is seven and seven, 15 and 12, Ole Miss seven and seven, 16 and 11. But Alabama is nine and five in the conference, so that should tell you something right there. Alabama 16 and 10. They're nine and five in the SEC play, Jonathan. So that should tell you. And two of those losses are to Auburn. So is Alabama? And again, they they haven't beaten Kentucky. They haven't beat Florida. So mm-hmm. all their wins have come against Ole Miss, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Georgia, A and M, Mississippi State, Missouri, LSU. To me, they don't deserve to be in there. In fact, if I'm looking at the SEC teams, Florida, Kentucky. South Carolina and Arkansas, those four teams are the only teams that get in the tournament, in my opinion. And Arkansas is questionable, but I'll put them in there. Yeah, I don't think Alabama is a conference team. And if you listen to Feinbaum, you've been hearing all week about how you're a bubble team. Stop it. You're not. Like, you're not. But you, you have to go on that run that that Georgia team went on. Um, oh, I can't remember what yeah, year that was. Yeah, four games three days. Yeah, they were like 17 and 16. But they were and they were on eleven seed because they uh, they won the conference tournament. Everyone, what the hell? Like you have to want to run like that. So let's be real for a minute. None of y'all doing that. Hey, not one of you doing it. Okay, so Alabama, you're out. Arkansas, mm, uh, pretty uh, I don't trust Arkansas. Arkansas. I, you know, I don't trust Arkansas. I, I've watched them a couple times this year, and I haven't come way impressed. Uh, I don't think that they're great at anything. So there's like there's no reason for me to be like, oh, I want to watch them play a game. And I just I don't I well, people are like, well they went and they beat South Carolina and my thought process was, are we sure South Carolina's actually good? Like are we actually like are we positive South Carolina's really that good? Or did they start really well and they fizzled? Because this is a South Carolina team that I mean, they've had their moments where you're, just, you're, you're kind of looking at them going, what do you do well? I don't know if there's anything that they actually uh, – impre- you know, I feel like Alabama. Okay? I get away with Alabama saying Alabama plays uh, exceptional defense. Uh, you know, this is a team that held uh, Kentucky to what, 65 points, 67 points, right? You know, South Carolina, what's your biggest win? Michigan, not a good win. Syracuse, that ain't a good win. Clemson, oh, wait, you lost to Clemson. You lost to Memphis. Like, what's your best win? Florida? That Florida game where Florida went like 0-20 from three? 
That's South Carolina's best win. Seriously. That's their best win. It's that home game against Florida where Florida did not hit a single three. You look at the rest of the schedule, I'm not impressed. You beat Monmouth in overtime by one at home. You beat Louisiana Tech by nine at home. I mean, what did you do? What have they done? Nothing. This team's not that good. So, honestly, it's Kentucky, Florida, and then you better have – there better be pandemonium, and somebody better just slip all the way out. Because I don't think South Carolina Arkansas are really that good at basketball programs. I don't either. And I think you have to look out of conference. You have to look who have these teams beaten out of conference. And like you said, Michigan, they're not there this year. Auburn's wins over Oklahoma and UConn, they suck this year. So, I mean, if those were powerhouses, that'd be different. But the only team to beat anybody out of conference is really Kentucky and, you know, big wins like that. But there's no team. Florida, remember, Jonathan, they lost their big man the other night against Auburn. He's done. So that's going to be damn near impossible for them to make a run, not even, not just in the NCAA but the rest of the season, even through the SEC tournament. But but I could see this. I could see Auburn getting hot in that tournament on a neutral court and, and making it to the semifinals, which should tell you a lot about the SEC. That should tell you all you need to know. If Auburn can make it to the Final Four, uh, it's not a very strong conference. Would you agree? And I think it's very capable. They're very capable of doing that. They're a streaky team, and they could they could win those games and. They could win three games in that tournament. I mean, yeah, if, if we're talking about uh, first half uh, against Ole Miss Auburn, oh, no doubt in my mind that's the team that can make it to the semis of the conference tournament. Uh, you know, you you go ahead and look back at that first half against Ole Miss, and you're like, whoa, howdy now. Uh, this is a team that looks like it's coming along. I like the way this looks, and then obviously we know what happened in the second half, and you know, we've had our discussions on whether or not that's good coaching or bad playing or whatever, and I think obviously it's a mixture of both. It's kind of the same reason. Like, how come Florida State can't show up when they're on the road? Like, like seriously, how come every time Florida State leaves uh, the state of Florida and they go uh, somewhere else, they don't show up? Dwayne Bacon can't hit shots. Dwayne Bacon's overrated guy. People, he's a wooden award watch guy. This guy is really no, he's not. Dwayne Bacon's overrated. He's overrated. He's not that good of a player. The best player on Florida State's Jonathan Isaac. The second best player is Xavier Rathanae, and we can debate about the third best player. Dwayne Bacon ain't that good. He ain't a lottery pick. Okay, I, I, I don't get it. He's streaky. Streaky guys aren't good players. They're streaky. That means your eye. There are nights where you're amazing, and then there's days like yesterday where you have zero points, and every time you're touching the ball, you're chucking it, thinking you're going to shoot yourself out of a slump. That's not how it works, you idiot. Drive. Pass. Do something. Anyway, I'm sorry. I ran over. Well, when I played basketball, I was streaky. You know, like, I can, and, I'm, and I'm not saying I was a good player. I was a streaky player. I was smart, played fundamental defense, but I could put up 20 in a game, 25, or I could put up four. You know, it's, and it's on the road is where I, I would really play very well, hitting threes. I'd just cap out down there and let those guys kick it out to me, and I'd be wide open for a J. But, you know, that doesn't mean I'm a good player. It doesn't mean I'm good because I can hit a wide open three, but it also doesn't mean I'm good when I go – uh, one for 13 from the threes, because if you do that, you're not very smart if you keep shooting. I, there's some of the dumbest coaches I've ever heard, just great shooters just keep shooting. No, they don't. It's not your night. It's not your night. <laughs> you 
<laughs> you find somebody else who's got the hot hand, and Florida State's going to have to learn that. Florida State's going to have to learn to find the the hot hand when they're on the road. Obviously, they're not a road team. How are they doing in the neutral side? How many games have they played in neutral sides right now? Uh, That's what you need to look I think, at. I think we had that one tournament where we were still undefeated. It was the one in New Jersey. And uh, we're playing Temple, and we're kicking Temple's head in. And all of a sudden, the team just shut down, and Temple came back to win. Uh, manhandled Illinois, manhandled George Washington, manhandled Manhattan. I mean, it, it's not been the greatest neutral court schedule. What bothers me is this, we don't show up against Temple. We play West Virginia. And that's a match that I would have loved to have seen, our athletes against their press. Um, my God, yeah, I, I, I'm looking that. back at, at this schedule. I mean, at Pittsburgh, lose by 14. At Notre Dame, lose by 12. At Syracuse, lose by 10. At Georgia Tech, lose by 22. At North Carolina, lose by 13. I mean, you're getting pumped. You're getting pumped. In conference, we've won two road games, Miami and Virginia. Virginia was the first one, and we probably shouldn't have won that game, but we did. I mean, we've lost by double digits in five conference road games. We've played seven road games. We've lost five by double digits. That is horrible. No, we had an entire week to get ready for Pittsburgh. We played last Saturday at Notre Dame, got embarrassed, came home, didn't have to be nowhere till next Saturday, and forgot to show up against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has three conference wins. We're one of them. Jonathan, are you bitter? Are you angry right now? I'm very upset with, with, with my basketball team. I know. I am too. I'm upset with mine, and hell, we didn't have any expectations. But you got to. I don't like going on. Anytime I turn on Auburn, it's like last night I turned it on. It's like eighteen to four. I'm just like next through this. I'm not watching it. Screw it. I'm Sounds not like watching me it. I mean, come on, show show up on the road, and I'll keep my TV on. You know, quit quit playing first half basketball at home and losing, and then. I don't know. It's just it's frustrating watching the team that's inconsistent. At least at least with Kansas, I know what I'm gonna get. You know, I know I'm gonna watch a great game. So hey. This is what it is. I see Quinn's in the studio over there listening to us. He's he's probably still waiting on Notre Dame to get to get in that tournament, but we'll we'll see about them. But um what do you think about the NBA All Star game? And Russell Westbrook is not not in the starting lineup. Does that bother you a little bit, or is it just me being a Westbrook lover over here? I mean, what is it? Um, boy, that's look. If I were to put together the starting lineup for the Western Conference for an All Star game, which means in all reality, positions don't matter. Um. Especially in today's NBA, you're really playing a five-wide set. Uh, I'm having Russell out there. I'm having James Harden, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. That would probably be my starting five. Yeah, because Anthony Davis, Davis. you can't hold it against him that he plays on a bad team. He is an athletic freak. He's a marvel. Um, 
you have Kevin Durant, who <laughs> is kind of like Anthony Davis, just less a little less defensively. Um, James Harden's a playmaker. He can score. He can pass. He doesn't play defense. Steph Curry uh, is, is a lot like Harden, except he's a better shooter. And then you have Russell Westbrook, who's really not that good of a shooter, but does everything. Uh, Russell Westbrook, all right, so I've been looking, waiting for an heir apparent, yeah, apparent to Jason Kidd. Russell Westbrook is the heir apparent to Jason Kidd. A triple-bubble machine, not the best score, but can get you a bucket when you need it. He's going to make the right pass, and he's going to crash the boards. I love watching Russell Westbrook. I love Russell Westbrook play. It's amazing. It's true team play. Yeah, he's averaging 31 a game. I mean, this is on the – I mean, I know you don't look at that, but he's, he's close to a triple-double every game. And, and you get – you just in Harden. He's able even to leave with 11 assists a game. Westbrook's got 10 a game. So, if you look at Westbrook, if you're able to score 30 points a game, get 10 assists a game, how are you not? one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA. And I'm looking at if I was starting a team today, uh, an NBA team, he would be my first pick is Westbrook. I know LeBron James is, is LeBron James. He's a little older. But I just can't believe he's not starting in the All-Star game. But I guarantee you he'll take he'll put a chip on his shoulder due to that and probably come out and put up 50 in this game if they'll let him, if they'll let him play enough. So I just love watching him play, man. He, he and Harden too. Uh, I love watching him play. Anthony Davis is almost averaging thirty a game. So how? And Cousins is a beast, man. Let's not forget about Cousins. Out in Sacramento, those are two Kentucky players, Davis and Cousins. They're freaks. John Wall. Well, let's not forget about him. Yeah. I mean, if I look at the Western Conference. And let's say I just do a quick rundown um, by team, at least, of guys that I want to see. They interest me. They they bring something to the game where you're like, you've got my full undivided attention. I mean, Golden State has Draymond, Steph, Durant, um, Thompson, Iguodala, Livingston. I love watching those six guys. Uh, I've always been an Iguodala fan. San Antonio, I want to watch Kawhi Leonard. I really don't care about anybody else on the team. Houston is James Harden. The Clippers, I really don't care. Maybe DeAndre Jordan. Uh, the Jazz, I love Rudy Gobert, the big French uh, center they have. Uh, if you watch Memphis, good for you. I guess Mark Gasol is pretty fun. Oklahoma City's Russell, Russell, and Russell. Um, Denver, <laughs> it's that, 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 that boy from uh, was it, Bosnia, Nurkic. Um, who had himself a monster triple double the other night? Uh, I think that's definitely the uh, or Jokic, yeah, Jokic. That's the guy that I'm. Um, I would watch on that team. Uh, Sacramento's got Cousins. Portland's got Lillard. Who, if you don't like watching Lillard, you got something wrong with you. Nolan's got Anthony Davis. Dallas got nobody. Minnesota's got Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, they have Zach Levine. They have Andrew Wiggins. Like, they're fun to watch. Uh, the Lakers have D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Phoenix has nobody. really nobody. They have a bunch of guys that need to figure out what they are at the end of the day. So, like, you know, if I'm, if you go up and down the Western Conference, there's a lot of good big men. There's no doubt about that. Three of them are from Kentucky. 
like Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, and DeMarcus Cousins are all from Kentucky. And that tells you how good Calipari's recruiting is. That, to me, that also tells me how bad Calipari's coaching is because they only have one national yeah. title with all those guys in the pros. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, you, if you just put Kentucky players on a basketball team and you, and you had them play against the NBA, they're a contender. John Wall, Bledsoe, uh, Cousins, Davis, um, uh, Towns, Booker, like you should you probably have. have a, uh, you probably have a big time playoff team right there. Oh yeah, I mean, I would love to put them up against Golden State, uh, just just to see. You know, I mean, let's see: Carl Anthony Towns, Tyler Ulis, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker. Willie Cauley-Stein, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall, Trey Lyle, Skyler BCA, Andrew Harrison, Julius Randle, Jamal Murray, Michael Kim Gilchrist, Marcus Teague, Aaron Harrison, Nerlens Noel. Uh, that's about it. Like, that's a dynamic team. Obviously, it's very heavy with the big man, but you have John Wall. There's your point guard. You have Jamal Murray. You have Devin Booker. You have Tyler Ulis. I found your backcourt. Like, give me some small forwards and let's move on. How does uh, Kentucky have one national title? I know. And, and how does Westbrook get left out? I mean, he could be the he's on pace to be the first player since Oscar Robinson back in '61 and '62 to average a triple double. How do you leave mm-hmm. him out of your starting lineup? How? That's what. Fan and I know James Harden is good. He's not Russell Westbrook. I know Curry's a good shooter. But he's no Russell Westbrook when it comes to player. I'm talking about player. I'm not talking about who's the best shooter, who's, who's this. Anthony Davis, he deserves that spot. Durant deserves it. Leonard, I mean, all these guys deserve to be an all-star. I'm not saying that. I mean, but how do you leave Westbrook? I think you're right. I think the fans are mad. They're blaming Westbrook for Durant's departure and not Durant, really. And I think they're, they're kind of penalizing him for that. Does that make sense? I, I think it's more of when you when you turn on your TV during a basketball game and you see commercials, who's in your commercials? Lillard will be in them. Chris, Chris Paul will be in them. Durant, Steph, Harden. Westbrook doesn't really do commercials, so I think that stupid segment of the fan base, yeah. uh, uh, you know, your dumb NBA fan who's only there because of what's popular, is going to vote for the guys they see on TV because oh, I like him. You know, I really, I think that's what it comes down to. At some point in the game tonight, I'm interested to see if Kerr puts Durant and Westbrook on the floor together. Now, I, I, I've heard rumblings that they're going to put Westbrook, Harden, and Durant uh, on the floor, which, I mean, just twist the knife in OKC. Why don't you? Uh, but i really like to see Durant and Westbrook play together and to see if they'll actually play together because these guys won't talk to each other still. Like, they don't even want to look at each other. So I'm interested to see if they could actually play with each other. Well, let's, let's flip over and see. And we'll talk about that game tonight. But let's, uh, have you looked at the college football preseason FBI 1.0 rankings? Uh, no, should I? Yeah, we'll talk about it for a minute and just really get through those for a minute. Uh, All right, Ohio on. State. Ohio State is the number one team, just so everybody knows. And this is based off of 
you know, your predicted defensive ranking, your predicted offensive ranking, your predicted recruiting, uh, your defense. This is all the versions, and this, this is pretty damn close to what I was talking about earlier based off what I saw. Remember I told you how Ohio State and Oklahoma and Florida State, I thought were locked for the playoff next year. Remember that? Yeah. And I said Auburn could be that wild card that mm-hmm. you know, I really thought was the quarterback. You, and you always said Bama, Auburn, or LSU. Here they are, Ohio State's one, Alabama two, Oklahoma three, Florida State four, Auburn five, LSU six. And, and I think you and I know football pretty well because we sit here and talk about this stuff, and, and Auburn's coming in at five right now. And you put Auburn, LSU, Bama out of the SEC, but I felt so confident about Ohio State, Florida State, and Oklahoma. And based off this, and this just came out, I didn't cheat. I didn't look at all this stuff. This came out, I think it was the 13th. Um, hmm. But it just shows you, it just shows you based off the conference predicted offense thinking. Um, so that's a 10.4 points in defense. They're showing a tenth, a 9.4, some kind of scoring system. And let me read this to y'all just for a second. Uh, with National Signing Day in the rearview mirror, it's time to look ahead to the season. And here, here's what it means. The preseason FBI is designed to take the guesswork out of preseason ratings. It is an automated ranking, automated ranking intended to measure team strength going forward. It is not a ranking of who will have the highest win total or who is most likely to make the college playoff. The model comprises four major components. The last four seasons of performance on offense, defense, and special teams are the most recent season counting most. Information on offense and defense of returning starters with special teams, the special consideration given to teams returning and starting quarterback or gaining a transfer quarterback with experience, a four-year average recruiting ranking of four systems, ESPN scouts, rivals, and field steel, and head-to-head coaching tenure. The four components interact or assign different weights depending on the team to produce the FPI. Combining all the factors above, produces a predictive value on offense, defense, and special team, which represents the number of points that each unit would be expected to contribute to the team's scoring margin if it were to face an average FBS team on a neutral field. Ohio State's number one, entering its sixth season as head coach at Ohio State, Urban Myers returning eight offensive starters, including quarterback J.T. Barrett. The Buckeyes are returning seven starters to defense that finished last season ranked second in defensive efficiency. Meyer again added, you know, the number two recruiting class. So I like this, Jonathan. I like what what you have returning, what kind of quarterback you have, how you recruited, how your defense was and offensive was. I mean, that's how I do it anyway, don't you? I mean, that's how common sense would tell you how to rank it. Yeah, I mean, your your percentage of returning production is always a very important indicator. Um, and, you know, especially as far as you know, quarterback and receivers go. Uh, obviously, how many offensive line you return is always you and I talk about a very important uh, statistic. Now, your offensive line has to be good for it to really matter. I mean, if we're talking about Florida State, yeah, I don't think it matters. Uh, <laughs> but you know, if you're talking about you know Alabama, well, not I don't even know if Alabama offensive line is that good. Let's go to Clemson. 
So you're talking about Clemson, you're like, okay, the offensive line is good. They're returning four starters. The offensive line will still be good. Uh, now, now, looking at these initial rankings, I do find it somewhat insulting that they have Washington and USC as low as they do. Um, well, get over you know, here. Washington get over here. 9. Well, all right, so Washington 9, <laughs> USC 12. Stanford ahead of USC don't make no damn sense. Um, no, and, not at all. Yeah, that 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 don't make no damn sense. Now, I, I think USC and Washington should both probably be in the top ten. I would have USC ahead of Wisconsin. Washington is not nine. a top ten team. Clemson's not a top ten team, Jonathan. As much as I like to say maybe they are, I don't. I, with, with this new quarterback, I don't know what to expect. But everything I've heard is expect a step backwards for Clemson, which is why. Obviously, people really, really like Florida State chances this year because outside of Dalvin Cook and, uh, you know, Kermit and Bobo and the offense, don't really lose anything. You know, defensively, you lose Marquez and DeMarcus. So, I mean, Florida State loses five starters, but two of them they've already had replaced. Um, you know, I, that, that, yeah, a lot of people like Florida State this year. And you and I talked about – how I think it's a three-team race in the SEC West, and that's what this shows. Um, the SEC East, Georgia's number 13. Like, all right, Georgia, you showed up. And the top team in the Big Ten West is ahead of the top, the top team in the Big Ten East. Remember this day, folks. Remember this. Wisconsin's ranked ahead of Georgia. They're both front runners for their divisions, and both those divisions are supposed to be terrible. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah. Like, Actually, and, and the Jonathan, worst Mahomes. Let's embarrass the ACC really quick. ACC yeah. Coastal, Louisville. number sixteen, Miami. All right, there you go. Top three teams in the ACC once again are in the Atlantic. But Brian, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, Bob. No, 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 no. We don't ever interrupt each other. We just miscommunicated that. But that's a good point, though. You know, you talk about these divisions, how weak they are. You look at Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, they're in the top six, and they're in the same division, and they play each other. You've got Florida State, Clemson, and Louisville all, the, you know, in the top 14 right there. Florida and Georgia, 13 and 15, and you got Tennessee at 20. I mean, I just – I don't know. And you even have Texas A&M at 27. But there's a team in here – and I think it's getting a little too much love, and that's Penn State, because of this. They're, they had a good season last year, but I can't get that those two losses out of my mind that they had early in the season, and I could see it happening again. I could see Penn State's the type of team, because they're not an explosive team. I think they could, they could easily lose a couple of games early in the season. Um, but I... I, and I'll never play Penn State, especially after Sandusky and all that stuff. But, but yeah, you look at, at, at the ACC, and, and is there any way possible we could reshuffle it? I mean, you have an, a right to reshuffle a conference every year based off of what's coming back and everything to make it more exciting. Because every year you see the SEC East champion get, get prison shower rate in this game, and it's getting old when the second-best team is maybe Auburn or LSU or Alabama or somebody like that. Why not 
redo it or something or forget divisions. Why don't you just here's the SEC. Let's let's play the schedule. It's it's a random drawing of a schedule, and let's play the top two teams at the end of the season. Why can't you do that instead of having these divisions, which in, in the Big Ten it's 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 showing it's not working, in the SEC it's not working, in the ACC it's not working. I mean, I mean, am I right? Am I wrong to think that? Why not get rid of it? And usually in the Pac-12 is the same way, isn't it, Jonathan? Yeah two or three teams on one side that are usually dominant, and then you have this other one over here with UCLA in it that makes a Pac-12 game, and they get pistol-whipped. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the way it shakes up, the ACC Coastal hasn't won the division in, God, 2011. Uh, the Pac-12 South has never won the conference. The SEC East hasn't won the conference since. Yeah, Ooh, Florida did it. 2009. Long, long time ago. Yeah, 2009. Was, right. it was, oh, 2000, was it 2008? It was 2008. Yeah. Florida won it. Yep. And then 2009, it's been the West ever since. Alabama, years, Auburn, LSU. Yeah. Uh, the Big Ten's actually kind of balanced, believe it or not, you know, but, like, they've already rejiggered the divisions once. So, we'll have to see how, I mean, because Michigan State beat Ohio State one year, and they're in the same the same division now. So, we'll, we'll have to wait and see and on the Big I Ten. I love that game. I love that oh, game great. because it allowed Auburn to get into the championship to lose the Florida Oh, that's right. Yeah, because if not, we would have played Michigan. We... Actually, it's funny. If Michigan State doesn't lose the Notre Dame by four points at the beginning of the year, we're playing them instead of you. But, uh, I mean, all right, so I looked at the ACC, and I kicked it around for a minute. I'm like, you know, I really want to redo these divisions. A, they serve no geographical sense, okay, because the Atlantic and the Coastal, look, Florida State ain't on the Atlantic, yet they're in the Atlantic Division. Miami's on the Atlantic, they're on the Coastal. Florida State, you know, like, so there's no north and south, there's no east and west to it. So I thought about it, and I was like, you know, I would like to make a division. Split them up. Let's get the big east back together, if you will. I want to put Boston College, I want to put Syracuse, I want to put Louisville, I want to put Virginia Tech, I want to put Miami together, right? Oh, and Pittsburgh. So there's six teams, right? You have, you know, Pittsburgh, Miami, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Syracuse, Louisville. They were all in the Big East at one point. But that leaves me with six and eight, right? So I think about it some more, and I go, you know, who was the last team to join the conference before any of the Big East teams? Florida State. Florida State will now be in a conference, in the division, with Louisville, with Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Pittsburgh. That actually sounds like a pretty good division, to be honest. Whereas the other one is the traditional ACC powers. These are the teams that have been in the the conference since it began. So you have Clemson, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Virginia Duke. Would that have been the downside? Yeah, but your, your ACC championship game would have been Clemson, Florida State. Like, who doesn't want to see that? That would have been great, right? Even if, even if not, you know, and, and actually, it would have been it would have been Clemson-Louisville. That would have been great. Like, 
they really should have thought about it. Give your conference a chance to really make an exclamation point at the end of the season to get in the playoffs. Chances are you're not going to get two in from a conference, but it just having that just just puts a nail in it, doesn't it, Jonathan? It gets it. It's more exciting for the fans. It gives you a lot more to play for, and it means a lot more for your conference to to get in. I mean, to get in that playoff. Instead of Clemson beating Virginia Tech by seven, had they beaten Louisville or Florida State, it would have been a lot more meaningful. You know, I mean, I don't know. You as a Florida State fan know that Florida State was the second best team in the ACC last year. You know that. Everybody that watched football for Florida State and Clemson were right there, were right there together. And there's nobody else. But why, it's like in the SEC, Alabama and Auburn were the two best teams in the down SEC last year. Why put Florida in that game? Because you know Florida's tough. I mean, uh, you know, but you don't want to have a rematch of Alabama and Auburn because Auburn get their teeth kicked in again and no quarterback. So I just think it would be better at the end of the season. But, but how about this, Jonathan? How about moving that Iron Bowl up a little bit. Maybe it's not the last game of the season, which I couldn't imagine that being, but teams don't have to play each other back-to-back, and it's not so bad if they do. If, if Just say, for instance, if Auburn is 10-1 and going into the Iron Bowl and Alabama's 11-0, and Auburn beats Alabama in that Iron Bowl, and they play next weekend to see who goes to the playoff. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, I think it would be amazing, but I don't know. I mean, I think it would be fun to have a true home and home, if you will, like that. Um, you know, I mean, the coaches might complain about it. They also might not because you're really not giving them that much time to game plan for you. Well, when you're playing somebody very played in, like, a bowl game, yeah, coaches get a little missed because it's like, well, they've just got a free month to game plan for us. Hi, 1996 Florida, Florida State. Like, come on. <laughs> Florida State got their first Sugar Bowl because they got a month to learn about how we whooped their ass the first time. Go back and watch the, the regular season game where we beat the snot out of Danny Werkel. And that folks still won the Heisman. Like, I don't remember that. Get out of here. I don't remember betting. I bet on Florida. I bet on Florida in that Sugar Bowl, too. Because I knew Everybody what Curry was going to do. I knew that Curry would give him a month. And they were going to beat the crap out of Florida State. They did. And it's not, like, I mean, but if that played the next week, if that played the next week, Florida State would have probably won the game again. Like, that month, everybody knew that different. Florida was going to win that game. The minute that they realized they were matching up for the, for the national title, you're sitting there going, Florida State's defense tipped its entire hands that week. Like, they can't hide nothing from, from Spurrier now. He knows exactly what's coming. And I kill your new company, just killed us on the short little pop passes. Now, if I was to look at the SEC, Brian, and I was to say, let's redo it. Let's reorganize it. First off, Missouri, Texas A&M, and Arkansas, all, all three have to be together. They do. The Missouri, West. A&M, Arkansas have to be together, right? Yeah, in the West. Right. Okay. Now, what is the closest school to Florida? Do you know this? Geographically, what school is closest to think. Florida? Probably um, Auburn. Or, uh, it is. Let me think a minute. Yeah, Auburn is. No, you're so right. they'll be in the year. Yeah. Now, now yeah. if you're moving Missouri, yeah. you have to redo this, right? So, and 
Vanderbilt's in the east, and they're further west than Auburn is. I think you've got to put Auburn in the east. I think you do. Well, you, you got Georgia, Florida, Auburn. You have Auburn. That's what I've been saying for years. Alabama. I've been saying it for years. You have Auburn, Alabama meet in the LSU slot. What is it, the first week in November? You have them meet then. And then have Alabama, LSU play at the end of the year. Okay, have that be your, your post Thanksgiving game, which I understand, by the way, why. They, a lot of these teams like playing that big interstate rivalry game the weekend of Thanksgiving because the families are all supposed to be together. It's supposed to kind of symbolize that. But, you know, I, I understand <laughs> if, if, we, if the SEC doesn't want a chance playing back-to-back, right? So have Alabama and Auburn play the 1st of November just like they, they do with LSU most years. Um, have it be that night game that that LSU Alabama game usually is, right? Um, and have that in here. Like I would, I would be in benefit of Auburn moving um, to the East at this point. I really would. I think that it would be, uh, it would be a, a lot more. Idea. It would be. I mean, it would be better because right now, for the last ten years, it seems like almost. We just sit here and, and people look at it, whether it be Alabama, LSU, Auburn, one of those teams gets snubbed because, I mean, there's usually three teams in the SEC West that are playing for it. But that East is like, it's either Georgia, Tennessee, or Florida, but they've got three or four losses and they're getting into a championship game. And that's, that's the problem I have. If you put Auburn over in the East and they, they don't have to play yet, LSU every year, and they don't have to play some of these teams. I think it would be because they already played Georgia, but you start letting them play Kentucky and Vanderbilt and Missouri every year, all of a sudden you're going to have a, a stronger East with Auburn in it because Georgia's there. and it'll, it, it, I think it'll make the East step up their game is what I'm trying to say, is Florida's going to have to play better during the regular season. Georgia, man, there's too many opportunities for them to lose and to still make a conference championship game. How bad was that Florida team this year that you watched? I mean, they were terrible. I mean, just pathetic. And they're automatically in because Georgia sucks. I mean, there's nobody in the East. Tennessee laid an egg to South Carolina of all teams. But geographically speaking, you're right. Auburn should be in the East, but Missouri should be in the or Vanderbilt. You could even just flip those two out if you wanted to. But Missouri, they're farther, further west, right? You've got Missouri yep. west and uh, and Vanderbilt west. So who – you put Auburn in the east, what other team would you put in? I think you put Ole Miss or Mississippi State in the east, maybe. I would. You, you do it I, no, I would keep it geographical, which is what I prefer, unless you can do, like, what the ACC can do, and that's, you know, the whole, you know – or we can literally split it between the old bloods and the new bloods. Um, so if I was the SEC, I would just switch off SEC. I would just switch Auburn and uh, and Missouri. And you know, if you think about it, the SEC East, you put Auburn in there, and all of a sudden you're like, this ain't bad. I can live with this. You put Missouri in the West, and you're like, this feels a little more balanced. I'm okay with this. You know. That, that that that's what that you know without looking just for the balance. But if you tell me that geographically it makes sense, 
and then you include the fact that it'll actually really balance out the divisions and balance out the conference, I think it's a win-win. I don't mind. And, and, it's, and I know some Bama fans tell all of them, oh, you're just saying that because you're afraid of Bama. No, we're still playing you every year, and we've got a chance to play you twice. So we're not running from you. We just want a chance to, you know, to, to get in there and get you twice if we have to. So it's not – Alabama fans are so dumb that that, that they believe that, that our Auburn's wanting to run from us. No, dumbass. We've got a chance to play you twice now instead of once. It's not running. And we're guaranteed to still play you. And I like that. The first week of November – and then if you play again, the first week of December, that's a month separating them. But not only the SEC needs to look at this, but, but other conferences. But let's look at some of these other teams that, that caught my attention in this ranking. And I like stuff like this because this is how rankings should be looked at, not what Feinbaum thinks or what these media people that never played or studied sports in their life. But you, you sit here and you have Louisville at 14, which, if you look at that, the only reason they're there is because they've got the returning Heisman Trophy winner coming back, uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Some people wow. would say that's low for Louisville, but I think that's about right. But Notre Dame, what do you think about them at 17 right there? That's not a good indication of what's coming back to Notre Dame, really. I think Notre Dame could be in for another tough year this year. Well, all right, so, look, as much as I love making four and eight jokes about uh, about Notre Dame, just because, I mean, it's Notre Dame, it's kind of funny, um, they won't be as funny as, as Florida four and eight jokes, okay? Let's start there because Florida <laughs> lost to Georgia Southern as well, and Georgia Southern went quarterback with 0 for 3. Like, they threw three passes and completed none. They, Yeah, uh, anyway... <laughs> Hey, I'm not talking about Georgia Southern because we open up with them. I'm I'm not joking about them, okay? (laughs) Well, I I, I can put your Georgia Southernness at ease, but we'll do that at a later time. Um, I look at Notre Dame. Notre Dame went 4-8. They could have easily gone 11-1. I mean, they had, what, seven losses decided by uh, one score? You know, this is a team that I don't think they were really that bad. I think they just had some bad breaks. And everybody has years like that, right, where you go through a year and you're like, you've got to be kidding. Like, the ball is bouncing the other way every time. Like, you know, they they play North Carolina State on the road, and they draw a hurricane. Granted, bad coaching, but they drew a hurricane, right? You're playing Navy, and you lose by eight points. You know, you're playing Texas. Your coach is an idiot and puts the backup quarterback to start the game, but you lose in overtime. Like there were really multiple games, other than really that USC game, where they probably they probably could have won. They should have won. You know, this Notre Dame team that I said was going to go eleven and one and lose to USC, they weren't that far away from being that team. Now if they lose Kaiser, and that's going to be a big loss because he's a good quarterback. They really like this Brandon Winbush kid. Um, Notre Dame, I mean, they're, they're a talented program. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Brian Kelly showed up the coaching staff because he, he understood. And what he did at the end of the season is what every coach should do in a year that's disappointing. He, he sat down with all of his seniors. And he sat down with his guys that, you know, declared for the draft. And he talked to them. And he gave an exit interview and said, 
what can I do better? What 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 did I do that you you did not like and you you know you think I should change? And they said, pull your head out of the offense a little more, be a little more team centered, and we think that you know things will get better. So Brian Kelly said, okay, cool. I'm no longer you know I'm, I'm gonna take more of a CEO role here, and we'll see how this plays out. And I like that he did that. I think Notre Dame's gonna have a better year. I think they're gonna go bowling. Um, I'm gonna have to wait and see how spring and summer summer ball shake up because, as we know, right before you know the season last year, they lost some key players due to uh, suspension. Mhm. Yeah. And, and I'm looking. I think you're right about everything you said with Northwestern. You look at Michigan uh, down here, and and I like this because everybody's in love with Harbaugh, and they they talk about Michigan a lot. They're 18 because if you look at it, he hasn't been there long. They're still rebuilding that program, and they're not as good as what people think they are. I mean, Florida State just, to me, they dominated that game. But Michigan's going to take a little step back this year. I think people are going to see that because I think Ohio State's going to take such a huge step up in Penn State. And there's, there's a, even Wisconsin ranked. But think about that, Jonathan. You've got Ohio State, Penn State. Wisconsin, uh, all ranked ahead of Michigan starting this year based off recruiting, based off returners, based off coaching. Um, that's an eye-opener. Tennessee at 20, Oregon at 21. I think Tennessee has a better year than Oregon, Jonathan. I think Tennessee, that quarterback they have, I can't name slip in my mind. Um, I think he's the real deal. I think Tennessee could be in for uh, probably a 15-year instead of being down there right now what they have at 20. But look at North Carolina State at 22. Not too bad. Yeah, I mean, all right, so the reason why Michigan's ranked as low as they are, A, Harbon, Harbon, Harbaugh has Harbon. done a phenomenal <laughs> job with, yeah, I know, right? He's done a phenomenal job with Brady Host players. Okay, he has not really been playing with his guys. Um that entire defense has graduated. The entire starting defense. And they had, I think it was 10 seniors and Jabril Peppers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's going to be bringing in a whole new defense next year. Uh, they lose their top two receivers and their tight end and their starting running back. Michigan, is it, it's going to be a reloading year for them. We're going to have to see how Harbaugh – I mean, if, if Michigan wins 10 games this year, everybody who thinks Harbaugh isn't a good coach, or isn't a top ten coach needs to shut up. I mean, seriously, I look at how he rebuilt Stanford, and I look at what he's done his first two years at Michigan. And I, 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 I it's hard for me to say he's not top ten, maybe you know top seven coach. He's done a phenomenal job. He took a transfer quarterback from Iowa and took all the way to what was it the the, the Citrus Bowl last year and smashed Florida. And this year he took Wilton State and got all the way to a New Year's Six Bowl. And now, I understand that people are like, well, Florida State only won by one. Florida State was playing with their fifth and sixth string safety. So, um, let me put that out there. They had two true freshman safeties out there. Ooh, yeah, um, hi. Uh, anywho, so I, I was looking at Tennessee. They got a new kid at quarterback. Interesting to see how that shapes up. They lost their top two running back. Uh, you lose Derek Barnett, the defensive end. Um, you know, so you lose your sack leader, you lose your top two rushers, you lose your leader of the team and your quarterback. Let's see how that shakes out. Um, but they're in a division where 
they should be able to take some advantage of it, right? I look at uh, Oregon. Boy, you still got to deal with Stanford, Washington, and Washington State. Like, I know Washington's going to lose some pieces. They're losing that receiver, John Ross. They're losing uh, some pieces along the defense, and like Sidney Jones. I think they're losing their top two corners and their nose tackle by today. Uh, you look at Stanford, is losing McCaffrey, but they're still going to return a lot of talent. They lose Solomon Thomas as well, who is a game changer on defense. Uh, Washington State is bringing back Luke Falk. Yeah, I think Oregon and, you know, Willie Taggart's first years have historically been really, have not been great because he's overhauling the program. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But I, I love Taggart. North Carolina State. Hey, Charlie. <sighs> I'm going to ask you one thing, Jonathan, before you talk. Mm-hmm. Hey, I was going to ask you one thing before you talk about North Carolina State. Why in the hell is Tennessee doing bringing Brady Hoke in? Brady Hoke to coach your defense. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not. You know why they bring in, they're bringing in Brady Hoke? Because he's a damn good recruiter. Wow. He's a damn good recruiter. But look at all the talent that Michigan is sending to the NFL this year. Those are all Brady Hoke guys. Yeah. Brady Hoke's an excellent recruiter. Kind of like, like Will Muschamp, what he did. Look at what Florida's leaving. Same thing. Right. I mean, yeah, I look at I look at Brady Hoke, and, and well, he's not even the defensive coordinator, is he? Isn't he like? No, he's yeah, a line he's coach. He's D-line coach. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that makes perfect sense. You put him as a D-line coach, which I think, you know, I think he's not a bad D-line coach from, from looking at his history. Um and he's he's an excellent recruiter. I think you know, Brady Hope brought in Jarrell Peppers. Let's not forget that. Like he's a guy who went and got talent. He brought in Darbo and Chesson and Butt and Peppers. I mean, this, he this, this is I think that's a good pickup for for Tennessee. I don't think he's in, you know somebody who's going to fix your defense, but I think he's somebody that will get you players that you need. It's it's like a Brewster at Florida State. Brewster's essentially a tight end coach. Okay. Brewster's job at FSU is to go out of state and grab kids. Marvin Wilson, Dontavious Jackson, Cam Akers. That's his job. Brewster goes in and closes, especially in the state of Texas. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's the guy who brought Vince Young to Texas. Like, you know, Brewster's a very good co- uh, recruiter. So, you know, some of these coaching positions, you're like, how important is a tight end coach? I don't know how good it's hit recruiting. Well, there, there's your answer. That's really what it is at certain positions, you know, like Brady Hopes. Yeah. That's, that's, not, that's a good point. He's not coaching the, the whole defense. He's coaching the line. And, and again, he's a great recruiter. And uh, I think Butch Jones is not getting enough. I think people are really judging him harshly based off his past year. And sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. And the second half of the season, they just didn't play well. I mean, I don't think it's all coaching. He did make some questionable decisions. But Tennessee is that kind of team. If you look at recruiting, they did take a little step back this year. But they could be in for an SEC East run coming up this year. I mean, it's the SEC East, for God's sake. It could happen. But one thing, one thing, I don't know if you noticed, that Northwestern at 29, I have to study them a little bit. And, again, I haven't started studying – football yet for 2017. That will come after the spring games. You and I will get together and get our schedule out, what we're going to do. But but look at South Carolina and Mississippi State, 32 and 33. Could Will Muschamp actually 
at South Carolina with his recruiting, then you get South Carolina and that team that's winning seven or eight games a year. I mean, they won six last year in a year where I thought they wouldn't win more than four. So, in my eyes, you know, Will Muschamp and South Carolina outperformed my expectations. Um, and that, that that definitely speaks a lot uh, to the job I think Muschamp did last year. I think this um, what he's building at South Carolina is a positive. Uh, it's a very young team. Uh, you know, it's going to be led by a young quarterback that played last year. You know, it's always nice when you get a guy who's already got some experience. Uh, I thought they finished strong with their performance in their bowl game uh, against a very good USF team where they were down and they came back, fought back, you know, put that game in overtime. Um, you know, so I think South Carolina, I think Muschamp can build something. What I'm interested to see is where they are in year three. Because if South Carolina is still dindling around at six and six, seven and five in year three, that's where you are. That's what you're going to get. And now you also have to yeah. remember – it's South Carolina. Like, this ain't Georgia or Florida or Tennessee. You ain't playing for national titles, okay? It's, your goal is to win the division, not even the confidence, right? So, but at the end of the day, South Carolina, you're just trying to go to a, a, a decent bowl game. So, let, let's be realistic with those expectations because your best players in your state are going to go to Clemson. They're going to go to Alabama. They're going to go to Georgia, right? So, you know, you're, when they got Clowney, when they got Lattimore, you struck gold. You got lucky. Okay, this is not something that consistently you're going to get. You know, even Florida State's coming up in your neck of the woods and taking your better prospects. Um, so I think if you're South Carolina, you have to realize you're second fiddle in your state, and in all reality, you're farther down the totem pole in that region. Yeah, and uh, I think I think you're right on that. I think Arkansas. You look at what they've done recruiting and how they perform on the field. I think Brett Bielema is on a huge hot seat. And if he doesn't come in with nine wins this year and make a, you know, and make an impact in the West, he's going to be gone. But 33 Mississippi State, with looking at their quarterback, that freshman last year, looking at what they've got coming in recruiting, some solid three stars, and the way Dan Mullen can coach. I look for Mississippi State to be that team that could be like a wild card to win the SEC West in the next couple of years because, I mean, Jonathan, you know, we talk about Saban. He's he's all by himself. But you talk about the next best coach in the SEC, it has to be Dan Mullen. I mean, I just think he's so underrated as what he can do, how he can develop talent, how he can choose talent that nobody else sees and get something out of them. Uh, Mississippi State, I guess, what do you think about them, and how much longer is Dan Mullen going to stay there? I think he needs to start looking at bigger jobs. I was surprised he didn't look at the Oregon job in a way and, and actually somebody pick him up. But this guy's a true coach, and I think, you know, a lot of teams could benefit from having Dan Mullen. I think he's been, his talent's been pissed away at Mississippi State. No pun intended there. You know, it's funny because I, I look at Dan Mullen and I see somebody who loves the school he's at because that's where he's from, and I don't know if he'll ever leave. And I, I respect the hell out of that. That yeah, you know, I think I honestly believe his goal is make Mississippi State a contender year in year out. And now Mississippi State reminds me a lot of Michigan State, and and in which you know Michigan State, you're going to have your years where you're really good, and you're going to have years like last year. And what and essentially what that is is you know your recruiting is really a three year cycle more than it is a one or a two year, 
right? So you're getting guys into your program and you're developing them. They're not coming in and immediately contributing right away, okay? So um, as far as that goes, I think Mississippi State is always a team to look out for. You never really know what you're going to get from them. You should probably expect a bowl game every year. You know, you're going to get a year like 2014, the first year of the playoff, where they, they showed up and they were like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, and we saw them. You know, they played in the Orange Bowl and they got boat raced by Georgia Tech. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna have their moments. But I think that's always going to be a good, pesky team. And, again, it's like South Carolina. You have to realize your expectations. And, the, and Mississippi State, you look at the SEC West, right? Alabama, Auburn, LSU are definitely all ahead of you. Okay, you're probably second fiddle to Ole Miss, considering that's University of Mississippi, that's the flagship school, right, for the state. And then, you know, you're really battling A&M and Arkansas um, as to, for recruits, and A&M ain't really battling you. You know, they they got the state of Texas to deal with. So, I mean, you know, Mississippi State, in all reality, they're, they're in a situation where I think um, they're always going to be um, really considered the bottom half of, of the SEC West every year. I think once every four or five years they're going to crack uh, that top three. That top three bid. Do, would I love to see Dan Mullen at a bigger school? Yeah, but how will Dan Mullen actually handle being at a bigger school where his recruiting tactics have to change a little bit? Yeah, and he's expected to get those top tier five stars. And uh, right now, I mean, he can develop what he's got. You know. Oh yeah. He can develop no, 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 what he got. That's that's it. That's important. That's important. I mean, it's exciting. College football, when, you know, the spring games are close. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just exciting to see. I want to see what Stidham looks like on that field in Auburn. I want to see, and I know it's a spring game, but I want to see what the offense looks like with an elite passer back there. That's what I'm excited to see about Auburn. And I want to see how Mississippi State develops that quarterback in another year. I mean, how he looks. I mean, the SEC last year, what kept him back was the quarterback position. And I think this year, what could separate him from everybody even more is the quarterback. Because you look, look at what Auburn's got. Look at what Alabama hurts with another year. And I don't even know if he's going to be the quarterback. Georgia, South Carolina, um, some of these teams, Jonathan, that have young quarterbacks are, are going to have a full more. I look for the SEC to be better this year than last. Don't you agree? I mean, yeah, you know, we, we talked about it during uh, during the season and even after the championship on how the SEC as a whole had a down year, and I think that correlates directly to uh, the quarterback play. Um, and, you know, now you're going to have a year where, you know, you're going to have some mixed results. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, Florida, we don't necessarily know what their quarterback situation is going to be, but if things are what they are, probably not that good. Tennessee breaking in a new kid. Uh, Georgia, Easton gets his second year. And, guys, I think he's really good. I do. I think Easton's really, yeah. really good. Uh, you he's know, got, you got Kentucky. got a Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, Easton's just, he's impressed with me. You know, Kentucky, uh, I want to say they're bringing their, their kid back. South Carolina is. Uh, Vanderbilt, I believe so. Missouri, yes. Alabama's bringing Hurst back. But I've heard that kid from Hawaii is going to push him. Uh, that, that true freshman. Auburn obviously is a new quarterback, but we kind of know what he is. Um, LSU, I, I don't necessarily know what they're planning on going with now that Brandon Harris is transferring. 
So we'll probably, see what happens probably there. Probably a Purdue, probably a backup Purdue quarterback somewhere. Oh uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, in your LSU, you just need somebody who can who, who's a play action quarterback at the end of the day. Uh, a dual threat quarterback would do wonders at LSU. Uh, but they can't. But they can't find anybody. That's the thing. LSU well, every year you know, has no quarterback every year. You know what the problem is though? They find people. They just can't. They could not develop a quarterback under um, under Miles and Cameron. They couldn't do it. You know, I mean, they just brought in a couple more freshman kids this year, uh, which are highly talented. Danny Edling. I mean, Danny Edling's going to start again. That, that that transfer from Purdue. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, they're going to have some freshmen who are going to push them in camp. Um, you know, if you're A&M, God, what does A&M do? Trevor Knight's on. You ain't got Kyler Murray. You ain't got – I mean, what, I don't know what A&M's got going on. Uh, Arkansas is <laughs> Allen again. Hey, Allen's a good quarterback, guys. Mississippi State's got Fitzgerald. Hey, Fitzgerald's a good quarterback, guys. Ole Miss has got Shea Patterson. Hey, guys. He's good, too. We saw him at the end of the year. So the SEC, I think, you're going to see at a conference elevate some because they're going to have, they have young quarterbacks, but they've already got playing time. They've got experience. So I think that's huge. Whereas I look at a conference like the ACC and, you know, Clemson, New, Louisville, Heisman, Florida State, Francois. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know what's going on at North Carolina. I said I know Wake Forest is bringing a kid back. Syracuse is bringing their kid back. Boston College, I can't remember. Virginia Tech, new quarterback. North Carolina, new quarterback. Miami, new quarterback. Pittsburgh, new quarterback. Georgia Tech, new quarterback. Like, the ACC is going to take a step back, guys. It is. Like, quarterback play at the end of the day is what drives a conference. People want to talk about defense and ball. No, 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 no. If you got good quarterbacks, your conference is going to look good. That's why the ACC looks so good. You look at the ACC. Watson, Jackson, Francois, Trubisky, uh, Evans, Kaya, Peterman. Like, you had good, multiple good quarterbacks. Multiple guys were going to be taken in the first three rounds. You're probably not two first-round picks. And you bring back a Heisman Trophy winner. Like, that conference excellent for quarterbacks last uh, last year. This year, I don't know. This might be the year where they, they, we look at the ACC and go, oh, they were a one-hit wonder. No, not really. It's, they're not the same issue the SEC did last year, so they're not going to do the pretty transfer thing. Yeah. So, and, you know, they'll have a couple of top heavy teams. It'll be Florida State and it'll be another group with Clemson Louisville right there and then it'll be a drop off. Kind of like the SEC was this year with Alabama up one. Then you had your Auburn LSU took a back seat to them and then the rest of the conference. But I, I think you're right. What drives conferences is your quarterback play. And that's exactly what it is. The SEC struggled last year because they had a lot of, a lot of freshmen and a lot of people are inconsistent, but this year, so it's the offensive line does too. You look at the offensive line, without a good offensive line, you probably don't have a good quarterback. Defensive line, but that's what separates the SEC from all other conferences, Jonathan, is that defensive line. When you look at the play of the defensive line, you see Florida State, yeah, they've got that kind of talent. Clemson, they have that kind of talent. Even Virginia Tech and Louisville sometimes have that kind of talent. But most teams in the SEC have big, fast defensive linemen. But you got to have a quarterback with it, don't you, Johnson? you got to have both of them. Yeah, I mean, having a great defensive line is very important. You know, what they have top three positions in the NFL, actually. Uh, I can go top four in all, in all reality. You know, and 
no real particular order, but I'm going to put it in my order. You know, quarterback, left tackle, DN, corner. Those are your four. Well, what do you know? You have your quarterback, the guy who protects the quarterback, the guy who's after the quarterback, and the guy who's trying to stop the quarterback from completing the pass. I mean, you know, that, that, that tells you right there, you know, what's important. You, know, you look at the NFL draft every year. NFL draft is very important. You can look at recruiting rankings all you want. That is what it is, right? Uh, you know, that, that's going to change every year. You look at the NFL draft. Quarterbacks come off the board quicker than people anticipate, and I don't understand that. You have to know they're going to come off the board quick, right? Defensive end, quarterback and left tackles. Those four positions tend to get overdrafted, and guys tend to reach for those positions because those are the four most important four most important positions on a football field. Um, now, there's others that are very important. You need a good middle linebacker. You need a good safety. You need a good uh, center. Uh, I've always believed in a strong right guard to help balance your offensive lineup. Now, those are things that you need as well, and those are that's your next group. But your top four those are tend to be positions where the SEC does very, very well. The ACC does very, very well. I mean, you look in the Big Ten, right? Michigan was very good. Excellent secondary. Ohio State was good. Excellent secondary. Uh, Penn State just had a juggernaut of an offense once they were able to finally click. Wisconsin had a great front seven, especially front four. Like, you look at what drives teams. Good teams are going to have consistent quarterback play. Whether it's good or not, but you just need something consistent, right? Uh, you need an offensive line that can protect and can run block, uh, and you need uh, a secondary. You need a defense that can either get to the pass, that can get to the pass and stop the pass, right? So we know what the important positions are. I mean, Ohio State. People look at them like, well, they're just reloading, right? You lost your top three guys in your secondary. That's going to be very tough to replace, considering all three of those guys. Two of them are probably top ten picks. Like, Ohio State was the two guys probably in the top ten out of their secondary, right? You know, they bring back their quarterback. They're going to bring back a good chunk of their offensive line. But their defense, I'm looking at it going, well, now. Like, we're going to have to think twice about the secondary all of a sudden. You know, this is the second, you know, if their secondary struggles, Penn State can eat up on it because that offense can get it and go. Uh, you know, Michigan, you have to place an entire secondary. That's never a great thing. You know, and not to mention that their entire defensive line they got to replace. You know, they're losing Taco Charlton, Jordan Lewis, Jordan Shirtland, Jarrell Peppers. Like, those guys got added on that defense. When you're losing your best players of defense, you're going to have a tough time. You know, you look at Florida State, they return both their secondary. They're getting Derwin James back, but they lost to Marcus Walker. I mean, the guy led the country in sacks. It's very important. Granted, they have, they have a lot of talent. You know, so you got you always got to look that out. Where, like, Alabama, I can say confidently, they reload. No doubt about that. Especially – uh, on the defensive line, uh, offensive line, they had their problems this year. We all saw them. But for the most part, that offensive line is very consistent, very good year in, year out. Their secondary was not great this year. It was good. And we're going to have to see how that shapes because you're losing Eddie Jackson, who is probably their leader. I know he was hurt, but he was still a leader. He's still a presence in the locker room. He was able to help these guys out. Uh, you know, So Alabama secondary, very interested to see how that shapes. You know, so that, there's a, some question marks that need to be answered, but we all know where to look. All right, you know, your running backs are running back. You got to go off the line. You got to have a good running back. I mean, that and, you know, obviously there are quarter running backs who transcend the offensive line, like <laughs> Dalvin Cook. <laughs> Our offensive line was terrible. Dalvin Cook. I mean, look at here he has. Look at the line that got John Francois. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, here is 
I'm Aaron Dowden put up the lowest he might split with the Bucks at 19. That might be the lowest. It might be the lowest he splits. I'm hearing he's almost a guaranteed top 15 rocket. I can't believe I can't believe Miles Garrett. People project, projecting him number one. There's no way I would take him number one. I'm sorry. I've watched him play for three years, and I'm just I walk away unimpressed. Uh, I do. Well, am I am I crazy? Let me ask. Uh, let me ask. What did you think of Clowney this year in the NFL? What what was what that what was the question? What 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 did you think of Clowney this year? How did Clowney do in your eyes? Uh, I really just not eventful really in my mind. I mean, fifty two tackles, six sacks. You know, he's getting healthy, and when he's healthy, he's performing uh, better. There's no doubt about that, right? Um, you know, yeah. I think if Clowney. You know, there's nothing like Mario Williams, because nobody expected Mario Williams. He's trying to be a good pick, no doubt about that. But Clowney and Garrett remind me of each other, to where you have to wonder in that last year, were they double teamed, or did they uh, did, did they just decide to go easy because they knew what was coming? You know, because people look at the measurables of, of Garrett, and I, I see a lot of Clowney in that. I really do. And, you know, you're like, oh, you know, 6'5", 270, you know, this and, you know, and you watch them and it's like, you know, in one-on-one situations, they're really good and teams tend to game plan the other way from them. Um, you know, but I, I mean, I don't know if I'm taking him number one because I believe this is such a deep defensive end class that I can grab a really good guy later if I really need one. I can get a Derek Barnett. I can get a DeMarcus Walk. You know, I can get a Taco Charlton. Like, you know, I, that, that is a very deep defensive end class, a very deep edge rusher class. So I think if you're Cleveland, and I firmly believe this, either you take Deshaun Watson, number one overall, you trade that damn pick. Trade it. You know, <laughs> there's question marks with Deshaun Watson. I mean, as much as I loved watching him in yeah, college, he has his moment. He's nowhere right. You can't take it number one because he's nowhere even – I'm looking for Deshaun Watson, Jonathan, in the top 32, and he's not even projected to go in the first round. So how can you take him number one overall? I mean, so there's there's that debate because there's not a stud offensive lineman to grab, right? You know, they all have question marks. You know, there's a lot of people right now who are thinking Cam Robinson might be a guard, not a tackle, uh, just like Greg from, you know, the boy from Auburn that you and I, I mean, Maybe not you and I, but definitely I did not think he was should have been number two pick. He's a Larry Allen. Larry Allen didn't play left tackle, right? And let's not let's all remember Greg Robinson was a guard until they needed a left tackle, essentially. Okay, all right. So there, there's no offensive lineman this year that you're going to reach number one for, right? Are you gonna, is there a reason you're going to take number one? You're going to take Mike Williams number one. No. I mean, you, you use your no. first round, you use your number one last year in the wideout, right? Never. So. Right. You, you said, well, I mean, Calvin Johnson, like there's there's obviously guys who, you know, if we're looking at generational talents, but you're right. I mean, am I taking Fournette or Cook? Probably not. Um, I'm not taking a tight end. I'm not taking a linebacker. Ah, I think do I Jonathan take Allen the secondary? <sighs> I have such a hard time judging Alabama talent. Because Alabama and New England 
And this should shock nobody considering Nick Saban was the offensive coordinator under Belichick with Cleveland. But Nick Saban learned a lot from Belichick and incorporates a lot of it. It's a scheme. So you have to fit the system. You're not going to change the system. They're not going to build a system around you. They put you in. You have a responsibility. Do your job. Let's move on. Okay. Is Jonathan Allen a product of the system, or is Jonathan Allen just that good? I don't know. Because when you play on a defense that has multiple first-round level talent players, I really don't know how good you truly are. You know, you look at a guy like Marcel Darius, right? Marcel Darius, when he can stay on the field and not be an idiot, he is excellent. But for every Marcel Darius, there's a Terrence Cody. Who, you're like, well, that was quick. I'm glad he lasted long. You know, you look at linebackers at Alabama, and Dante Hightower had a big play in the Super Bowl, okay? Well, if Dante Hightower is a plug-and-play guy, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna build a defense around him in all reality. You know, he's a thumper, three-four middle linebacker. He, you know, that's 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 what he is. You know, you look at, I mean, I look at Alabama, and I think, I hate to say this, but I think they're more second-round pick guys, where you're bringing them in to fill a job, you're not bringing them in to change your system. Um, you know, so Jonathan Allen, as talented as he is, would I take him in the first round? Yes. If I was Cleveland, would I take him number one? Probably not. So if I'm Cleveland, unless I'm taking the quarterback I want, whether it's Watson, Kaiser, Trubisky, if I'm not taking the quarterback, because this is the first time Cleveland gets to actually choose which quarterback they're taking. Uh, they've never been in, they haven't been in this position since Tim Couch. Okay, so if I'm Cleveland, I'm either taking my quarterback I'm probably tra- I'm going to try and trade that pick to somebody who wants a Miles Garrett really bad, or who wants one of these quarterbacks really bad. I I, I just don't see a benefit otherwise for them, especially considering they have the number yeah. twelve pick too. Well, how about this? Trade that number one for a number ten, and get you uh, two more. Maybe get you a second and a third rounder extra one in there. That's how you do something if you're Cleveland. If you if you if you want Watson, you can get him at ten. You hell, you could probably get him at twenty if you wanted to. But most people will trade up to get Garrett or or Jonathan Allen, someone like that. You can see what what did you think about trading Romo, Dallas trading Romo to Cleveland for that number one pick and taking Garrett? What do you think about that? I don't I, I don't think that trade would happen, and the reason why is because. Cleveland's a little more analytics-based now in their front office, right? So they're not going to trade the number one pick for a quarterback that's in his late thirties. Okay. A. B. Jerry Jones wants to do right by Tony Romo. So if he's going to send him anywhere, he's going to send him to like a Houston or a Denver that already has a, a contending team ready. Uh, because you're not going to send Romo to Cleveland and let him just die. You know, if that team just can't figure it out. I mean, I, I, here's what bothers me about Cleveland. I'll look at the Browns, and obviously quarterback play was an issue. There's no doubt about that uh, last year. But I look at the Browns overall. I think they have a good running back in Isaiah Crowell. I don't think there's anything um, for them to uh, to trade for another – to uh, draft a run, another running back here. I don't think they need Fournette. Uh, I think Crowell's very good. I think they have good change of pace guys in Johnson and Atkinson. I look at their receivers. Terrell Pryor was very good last year. 
when Corey Coleman was a rookie, he was hurt. And then you have guys like Rashard Higgins, Ricardo Lewis, who, you know, they're young. We still need to see them. But if that's your third and fourth option, I don't think that's terrible. I love Higgins at Colorado State. And I thought Ricardo Lewis out of the spot's a very good option, right? They got a good tight end in Gary Barnridge. You look at their offensive line. You know, you have Cam Ernie at center. You know, I don't know if his career's came down how I how you know uh, some of us had expected. Joe Thomas is a great left tackle. You know, they could probably use some help at left guard, right guard, right tackle. Um, I need to look at like you know PFF numbers and see how well they actually did last year, right? So I look at their defense. They got a good nose tackle, Danny Shelton, and I think Carlin Nassib's a good defensive end, right? I look at their linebackers. Their edge rushers are Ogba. Uh, and uh, Jamie Collins, those are your edge linebackers. I think they're good edge linebackers. Maybe you need some help in the middle because right now you got Kirksey and Davis. I look at their corners, you know, and, and obviously I think they give you some help. I don't think Joe Hayden, uh, I think he's starting to, to slide down in his career. I mean, he's been in the league for a while now, so to they use tough in the secondary? Yes, I mean, if you're Cleveland, maybe you do take a defensive back number one overall. Maybe you go get Marshawn Lattimore or Jamal Adams or, or Malik Hooker. Like, I don't think either one of those would be a bad pick for Cleveland if they want to stick at number one. But uh, you could trade down and still get a very good secondary guy. I mean, I, I just look at this team and I see I, I see talent. And, you know, they're missing a quarterback. There's no doubt about that. They need you a quarterback. Should. You should have 21st number one picks in a row, it seems like. You should have some talent on that team. And I'm glad to see Carolina could maybe get uh, – get Lattimore right there or somebody, get him a, a lockdown corner or somebody to help that defense. Well, what did we talk about? What did we talk about? I told you, best thing Carolina could do when it, when, when it was obvious they weren't making the playoffs, stop it. Stop winning. Just stop. Don't, why bother? There's no need hey. to. Tell Cam Newton you're done for the year. Tell Luke Keekley you're done for the year. Tell Kevin Benjamin you're done. No, tell those guys we're, we're done for the year. That's it. We're going to play the young guys. We're going to see what we got. Like we're gonna figure out if we got a backup quarterback. You know, if we lose, we lose. That's fine. Okay, because we yeah. need the talent. We, you know, because they can't go out in free agency. This is a team that's cash strapped. You got, you got to uh, pay off in the draft. I mean, you look at our offensive line. Well, my God, that's a joke. Well, the, the offensive line right now in the first round, you can't really waste it on that. But you never know. Cause Carolina could add Dalvin Cook. If they could add Mike Williams, if they could add Lattimore, somebody like that, man, that could that could be a shot in the arm. Could you imagine having uh, Benjamin Williams, Greg Olson, those guys like that with Cam Newton throwing the ball to them? Or could you imagine having Dalvin Cook in the backfield to be able to fresh set of legs with Cam Newton? And that could be. Well, if I'm Carolina, and let's say I want a running back and a receiver. I'm probably targeting receiver a little later. You already got Kelvin, right? And you got Funches, who's not a big guy. You got Ted Ginn. I think I think Ryan Switzer would be a great guy for the Panthers to grab. That slot uh, wide out from North Carolina. I love that kid. That he's taking the ball to him. I you know, I really do. That he he reminds me of a better route running Ted Ginn. Uh, I think Switzer has all the potential to be a West Walker Julian Edelman type. I think that would be huge. Um, you know, I, if I'm a running, I'm running back, running backs. Oh, I, running backs. I'm going a little later though. I wouldn't go Dalvin because you already got Jonathan Stewart. He's a workhorse. Get yourself a young leg, no doubt about that. Get yourself a Deontay Foreman, right? Somebody who can come in and he's a good baller. Uh, but I think in the first round for Carolina, you need to go secondary. 
You know, you either go secondary or you go defensive end. Pick one. Okay, go get Derek Barnett or go get Taco or go get Lattimore or Adams or something like that. I really believe they need to address the secondary in the first round, whether it's the front four or the back four. And then I would I would I would look at the offense a little later because your receiving corps is is decent. It's I fine. mean, you know, it's fine. Right, and your running backs, you can always find a good a good change of pace guy later on, somebody you want to develop, right? Uh, because you already have a good bell cow in Stewart. So I think you address the offensive line, and um, like the second and third round, you look at a guy like Ethan Posich, the center out of LSU. Uh, you look at a guy like Robert Johnson, the the tackle out of Florida State. Uh, you know, you know, they, those are guys that you can put in, and they'll probably start day one. Uh, but I think first round, where, they need to address the defense. Where's Cam Robinson going? He, uh, I mean, he's not even anywhere to be found on the draft board in the first round. What happened? Well, because there, there's a sentiment that maybe Cam can't play offensive tackle. And if, if, you're not, if you're not a left tackle, it's really hard to be a first-round pick as an offensive lineman. Um, because maybe the best offensive lineman in this whole draft is Forrest Lamp, the guard out of Western Kentucky. And I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick. Um, you know, so Cam is probably a second-round pick. Uh, and, you know, people are saying, you know, you know, fringe left tackle at this point, he's probably going to make a really good guard. You know, I think that's somebody that you can target in the second round, uh, probably early second round more than anything. I mean, you know, if I, if, uh, I've said this for years. If you give me the Cleveland Browns, especially if you gave me the Cleveland Browns after that Julio Jones trade where they had all those draft picks from Atlanta, um, give me three years. Three years to build a team. I'll find a quarterback somewhere along the way. Give me three years to build a team. I will build the best offensive line. I will build a great receiving core. I'll build a really good defense. And then I'll find my quarterback to put into the system. Some of these teams need to be patient and do that. Now, here's the biggest one. All right, so Tyrod Taylor and Jimmy Garoppolo are both probably going to be on new teams this year. Okay, Tyrod Taylor has turned himself into, I would say, an 8-8 eight eight to 10-6 and six quarterback. He can get you to the playoffs, right? I think that's somebody you don't trade a first-round pick for, but it's somebody you consider going and get. Because the price is probably going to be decent. Jimmy Garoppolo, I like that kid a lot. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, I liked him when he came out of college. Um, I think he has a chance to be uh, one of the better quarterbacks in his draft class. And if you're Cleveland and New England calls and says, hey, do you want Jimmy? You know, I'd say, uh, what do you want? You know, if they said we want, you know, the number 12 pick, cool, done. I mean, because Jimmy's a better bet than any of the quarterbacks in this class. So that's something that I would – I would contemplate is he, uh, as, as where is, is the rock going to the system? Is he, he seems like a system kind of guy. Like the same, what's that quarterback's name that came out from New England that, that went, where did he, what's his name, the one that got overpaid? Oh, Matt Castle. Well, all right, all right, well, all right. So Matt Castle's an outlier. we got to remember Matt Castle didn't play in college. Like, yeah, he was definitely he was a system quarterback. He's a complete outlier. There's Black Castle had no business getting that contract. There's a kid who hadn't played since hadn't started since high school. He rarely played at USC. Granted, he backed up some good college quarterbacks at USC, uh, but he had no business. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is an excellent 
quarterback. I mean, we saw him come out and play really well for the Patriots. Um, and, and, you know, in them couple games that he did at the end of the year. And I think, obviously, the system helps with New England. Uh, you know, I, I've said that for years. You could put any any above-average quarterback, I think, becomes good in that system. And I think good quarterbacks become great, and great quarterbacks become some of the best ever. Uh, looking at you, Tom Brady. Um, you know, where it, where it's, you know, like, you put Peyton Manning in New England, my God. I mean, good God. You know how many championships they would have won in a row? They wouldn't have been fair. You know, if, you know, you look at so many things that they, you know, imagine Aaron Rodgers in New England. I mean, good God. You know, because they would have had a true team to, to, to be around them as well. Um, so, you know, Garoppolo, though, I think is talented. And he was one of the better quarterbacks coming out in his class, which was, what, the two, 2014 draft. Yeah. You know, and if you look at that 2014 draft, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the quarterbacks that came out of that draft. Stop me when you hear one that really catches your eye. Johnny Manziel. No? Okay, that was the first quarterback taken that year, by the way. Teddy Bridgewater, who unfortunately we're not going to see again this year. We don't, I don't know if Teddy's ever going to come back. And that, that's a huge that's a shame. Well, I don't know if Bridgewater can ever come back right. But even when Bridgewater played, he wasn't a transcending quarterback. He, uh, to me, Teddy Bridgewater was good enough to get you somewhere. But it wasn't good enough to take you all the way home, right? Derek Carr. Good quarterback. Derek Carr was excellent, right? Jimmy Garoppolo. Then Logan Thomas, Tom Savage, Aaron Murray, A.J. McCarron, Zach Mettenberger. You know, and really, in my eyes, Derek Carr is the best quarterback out of this class. Then then I think it's Garoppolo and then Bridgewater. I just love everything Garoppolo brings to the table. I think he's – I think this kid, he's worth a a first-round pick. I mean, it's a lot like Stidham, okay? Stidham – I only have three years of eligibility, but he was the best quarterback in this recruiting class. So you had to go get him. I mean, you had to. You know, it's one of those things where you're weighing the cost of it. Do, you know, do we get, take another freshman or do we go get somebody who's going to be a sophomore? Yeah, I'll eat the, the, the red shirt year and the one one playing year so we can get three years of him playing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, hey, man, we're out of time since we started early here. If we started late. We're out of time, but Jonathan will be back in the middle of the week, hopefully, and at least do an hour show during the week. Uh, but take care. Enjoy, everybody, the NBA All-Star game tonight. And, again, we'll be diving into some college NFL football, March Madness. And uh, also, we'll, we'll, I don't know what we'll get into, but maybe some, some baseball coming up. It's getting close. Baseball is just right around the corner. When, when's opening day? Uh, April 2nd. The Yankees and the Rays, 1 o'clock, ESPN. All right. We've got to talk a little baseball. The Braves will be in their new stadium. We'll talk about that. But, Jonathan, take care, buddy. And uh, everybody out there, have a great week. Hopefully you're off work tomorrow, President's Day. Take care. God bless. And Wednesday work for you? Oh, of course. All right. Well, we'll be about probably about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, somewhere around there. Sounds perfect. Have a great week, Brian. I look forward to talking to you soon, Bella. You too. Thanks, guys. How about five?